0: This is Environmental Voices Rising, Women at the Mic, and I'm your host, Michael Crawford-Zimring. Talking about climate change is important, but not the doom and gloom scenarios presented by mainstream media. Environmental Voices Rising brings you conversations with women environmental leaders, women who are taking on the challenges of climate change and working on solutions in their communities. The climate change conversations we have at Environmental Voices Rising are about what we can do to fix things and why taking action, however small, in your community is a place to begin. We are not planning on Mars as our next destination because right here on planet Earth, there is a lot to be done. We invite you to listen to the podcasts, subscribe on our website, eVoicesRising, Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We also invite you to join us, listen in, and find a place in your community to support, because yes, you can make a difference. Add your voice to Environmental Voices Rising. This is Environmental Voices Rising, Women at the Mic. And I'm very happy today to welcome Claire Atkison, the founder and creative director of Live Creative Studio, physically based in Durango, Colorado, and globally present online. Claire has an MBA in sustainable business, and as an entrepreneur, she created Live Creative Studio, a sustainable consulting and marketing business, and a global shopping guide. Welcome, Claire. I am so looking forward to this conversation about sustainable business and shopping.
1: Oh, good. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> me too.
0: Okay, good. So let's begin with how you got started in sustainable business. I think it's really interesting because it seems that you were in one of the very early cohorts of people in the United States to get an MBA in sustainability in two thousand. And this was after you graduated from college and you were already had experience as an entrepreneur creating an outdoor program for women and girls. So tell us about how you decided to switch and to go into business. What that experience was like?
1: Yeah, happy to share. I was very passionate all of my life around just loving the natural world and was a very active child outside and climbing trees and playing and just, it was my playground. So it's always been dear to my heart. And when I went to UC Santa Cruz and studied environmental science, I also was interested in kind of understanding the causes um, and the multiple causes of environmental destruction. And so I took a few women's studies courses and interestingly enough, that got me really kind of understanding early on the intersection between race and class and gender and the environment. Um, So I was very passionate and ended up kind of flipping my major then to women's studies and then an emphasis in environmental studies And as you can imagine, in that type of a graduation, you know, major degree, there's not very many opportunities for work other than going on and getting your master's or pursuing some kind of career related to, you know, women's empowerment, that kind of thing. And so I decided that I was going to join Planned Parenthood and do some medical assisting and really help around women and health. Um, And I loved that. But I started reading articles also about kind of health effects of um, environmental problems. And I thought, you know, boy, that could be really interesting. Maybe I'll head into and do some research and get my master's. and, And then as I was exploring that more, I discovered that you could do a environmental or sustainable business. And at that time, I was very actively involved in Common Earth Adventures And that was a outdoor adventure program, again, for women and girls. But every single kayaking trip, backpacking trip, we would always have some kind of a topic that we would discuss. And so everything from race and the environment was one subject for a weekend. And then we had another backpacking trip that was really just helping women with life-threatening illnesses to find ways to kind of live beyond, you know, feeling like they were their disease. So I loved all that interrelation of um, an interdisciplinary kind of thinking (laughs) that went into also learning concrete skills and giving women and girls an ability to know how to light a fire and know how to do a bear hang and know how to read a map and compass and not rely on their boyfriend or their brother or their father, you know, and gain that confidence. And when you gain that mastery of such things that you might typically not really think you could do, um, there's, a, there's a light bulb that goes off. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll start this nonprofit. I'll do this kind of a business. And that ran for about eight years, and I loved it. I mean, we had about 30 trips by the, the eighth year. But I, I kept thinking something was missing. I kept thinking, well, gee, you know, this is affecting people. I'm definitely impacting um, women and girls and helping them with building confidence, helping to create good conversations around these issues of race and class and health and the environment but I was like, how do we scale this kind of thing? You know, how do we actually get to the source of this problem that we're in of, of incredible destruction of people in the planet? And back to kind of researching my next steps, you know, getting that master's degree. I found Pinchot University and decided that, wow, if we could change how business functions, which is globally a huge contributor to environmental as well as, you know, social justice problems, we could affect tremendous amount of change. And so it almost became a challenge for me in going to Pinchot University. It was not only to educate myself more, but really I wanted to be at that forefront of the movement, asking that question, you know, how can we change, commerce, as we know it. (laughs) And it was pretty special to me to find at least 20 other people that were asking that question. (laughs) Um, Because the environmental movement at that, that time, and honestly, even today, still does tend to see business, you know, rightly so, as really the cause. But I'm always somebody looking for how to radically change systems. That's just my nature. <laughs> so I appreciate people who are proactive and, you know, Greenpeace and others who, who really call out corporations to hold them accountable. But I also really appreciate that we're all human beings running these companies. And I think if we all understood more the effects and the power that we had within our businesses to make change, that we could have tremendous change quickly that would transform the planet as we need to.
0: Well, thank you to you and your classmates for wanting to ask that question, wanting to ask, how can we do things differently? How can we create sustainable business models? And I like what you said that there is something that all of us can do, which is also to call out businesses, ask them for their sustainability goals, and call them out and ask them to do things differently. Something that all of us can do. I know in the sustainable business model, you use the triple bottom line, people, planet, and profit, instead of the usual bottom line, which is just financial. Could you tell us about the triple bottom line?
1: Yeah. Um, yes. As you said, it's it's coined the triple bottom line. Um, so many of the way business has been defined is on the value that you bring to the marketplace and value has been defined as strictly financial um, up until really this sustainable business movement. And so the idea of the triple bottom line is saying, how can we ensure that every business decision considers just as much how much profit we can make, but can we actually make that same profit by delivering a high quality product that is good for people and good for the planet. And that really is a radical notion because so many businesses are, especially large corporations, focused on that shareholder return, which is a very short-lived return of quarterly (laughs) um, financial gain. So the corporate sector is a bit of an interesting sector that we can talk a lot more about that in fact um, has been both Like I was mentioning before, you know, the direct, you know, I would say received quite a lot of uh, feedback from the public and from large um, nonprofits that they need to change. And they've been quietly listening, I would say. Um, And in the last three years, there's been a tremendous shift in that sector. Prior to that, the triple bottom line has really been among the entrepreneurs, um, folks coming into business saying, God, isn't there a better way? (laughs) Um, So actually building and creating their entire business around the notion of people, planet and profit. So there's an entrepreneurial side. There's the political activist side putting pressure on the larger corporations. And now there is the millennials that are saying, everything needs to be considering people, planet, and the profit. Um, Of course, these are generalizations and stereotypes, but these are some movements and fronts that are pushing and pulling um, sustainable business kind of more into the forefront. And now corporations um, are more than ever, I mean, this has been now since 2004 that I got my degree in sustainable business. And when we graduated, you know, We had to go out and create our own jobs. You know, there really wasn't a chief operating officer of sustainability. Now there is. If you go to any large corporation, they have a chief sustainability officer.
0: Thank you. Let's talk a little bit more about the people piece and in particular how COVID made the vulnerabilities of so many groups, especially the poor and the underprivileged, and of course, all the healthcare workers who were keeping everything going. All of a sudden, businesses had to prioritize the health of their workers. They had to really consider the people and working conditions. What do you see as some of the ways that COVID has provided us and maybe the sustainability officers an opportunity to reset?
1: You know, like anything, it's very broad (laughs) and it can mean a lot of different things to different people. So what I find is a good, important place to start is that more and more businesses, both small and large, are beginning to report on their goals. So they're doing sustainability reporting. So there's not a cookie cutter, here is how to be a sustainable business plonk. There are frameworks such as B Corporation, which is a wonderful framework, and there's many pathways to get there. So really what a sustainability consultant or a chief sustainability officer is doing is looking within a unique business and saying, what makes the most sense for us? What areas do we want to work on? And so for some, it may be water. For others, it may be reduction in carbon emissions. Um, For others, it may be looking really hard at their waste stream. So COVID brought us (laughs) all front and center to how much waste we create with those masks. And as well, at the same time, the ocean and the fact that we now have a garbage field as large as the United States has also brought that front and center, that there's something wrong with our process of transferring goods to people around the world. So even if you're not into business, you're not an economist, you don't pay attention to those things, everybody is now saying something has to be done. And it's not just about the individual making a change. It's both. It's individual and it's these large companies and the small companies that are showing the alternatives to the large companies. <laughs> um, so as far as social goes and diversity goes, the other piece of that this year was also the tremendous exposure around Black Lives Matter movement, um, really Finally, I think waking people up and I say waking people up, meaning majority white people to the fact that driving while black is a crime in our country. So they're walking on the street while black and particularly a black man. So more and more companies are and have been this year coming out saying, my God, we've got to do something to change this. What can we do as a company not just, oh, let's give a bunch of money. Now that did happen to many historically black colleges and that's wonderful. (laughs) They've been given the most (laughs) money in a year (laughs) than any time in their history. But that's not all we need. We need institutional changes. So now just like there is a chief operating officer, there's also more and more a chief diversity officer. So sitting around the table, the C-suite, or the entrepreneurial, you know, leadership team, you're now beginning to look at what, what does it mean internally for us to be supportive of our staff? What does it mean to teach about racism so that we can actually have a prosperous conversation in our own internal everyday setting across different cultures where people share ideas, and they're able to be heard. Um, So it's also about women as well. So the the diversity piece is also giving women more of a role on boards.
0: Excellent. All excellent points. Thank you so much. And I also, I would like to talk about when you're speaking about alternatives like the way we have to think about redoing all of this and especially waste that's the the idea of a circular economy yeah. is one that i think is actually can be very uh, welcomed and agreed upon by a lot of people once they understand it so yeah. maybe could you give us a little mini course on the circular economy and how that might be a, a successful way to rethink how we're doing business
1: Sure, I would be happy to. In fact, creating Live Creative Studio really is my effort to show both my clients how to promote their sustainable businesses from a marketing perspective and teach companies how to bring in sustainability the people plan profit into and create their own plan and then execute on that and report back. Um, the third leg of, of Live Creative Studio really is about innovation and about inspiring people to understand that there is a lot that we can bemoan and feel very disheartened about. And in fact, it's it comes from that deep kind of sadness that I say, no, we are actually creative human beings. We have always, evolved creatively and i love to say the stone age did not end because we ran out of stones <laughs> okay we evolved we we innovated we thought of new ways <laughs> and that's what we have to do now right we we don't have to keep digging for fossil fuels we have other ways to create electricity and energy that are renewable right so the circular economy really creates a concrete, it's a little challenging to be modest, (laughs) but it's becoming more and more concrete where you're beginning to look at the, the waste stream as well as the input stream. So let's just take, for example, that you're making, you know, a, a jacket And you're looking for the fabrics right that goes into that jacket and you want the highest possible fabric that's going to sell for a good price and so do you go back to growing that particular fabric and how do you grow that fabric or do you look at the waste stream that's already been created using that same fabric. And instead of letting that previous jacket <laughs> end up in a landfill, you're reclaiming it and you're bringing it back into, and you're reusing that particular material, that particular fabric to create just an equally solid, strong you know, um, product that you can put back on the market. So it removes this idea of, going back to extracting resources from the natural environment, which is what we do typically. We go to grow it or mine it. And right now with the circular economy, the question is, what if we don't do that? What if we don't go back? (laughs) What if we actually keep all of these products in what is called a circular (laughs) system um, where we don't have the waste? and we don't have to destroy the environment in the extraction process.
0: So you're you're when you're talking about the a waste stream, you're talking about sort of the end of life of a product. Correct. So the end of the life of a jacket or the end of end of life of a plastic bottle Correct. or the end of life of a food package. And yeah. normally those are single a lot of those are single use, well not the jacket, but the single use and they end up possibly recycled, maybe but often in the landfill. You're talking about where waste is going and what we can do about it. It doesn't have to just end up in a landfill. It doesn't have to end up polluting the oceans. Waste doesn't have to just be garbage we throw away. We can find ways We can find ways to circle back into the systems and reuse it. And it turns out that this is a system that nature uses.
1: Okay, let's take a look at those natural systems and let's see, does nature create waste? Well, a uh, cherry tree does blossom and it blossoms an awful lot and it's gorgeous. And then those beautiful blossoms do fall. So we imagine all of those blossoms being our plastic water bottles and they fall, right? Right now they're falling into the oceans and contaminating our beautiful you know, towns and communities as well. And what if they were made out of something that actually benefited when they fell to the earth or they fell into the ocean? You know, that's really the ultimate question from a design standpoint is what are the inputs? So that actually literally, this is William McDonough. He's a famous architect and coined the phrase cradle to cradle. He says, what if we don't have to be efficient? Nature is not efficient because it figured out how to make, It's beautiful petals out of things that could decompose and become life for other forces on the planet. So how can we be a force for that as people, as humans, the things that we make and create? So how do we not only create and design everyday things from a toothbrush to an airplane that can be either decomposed into its biological parts naturally and create life, or if it's in the case of metals, like in an airplane, how can those parts be brought back into becoming another airplane? So it really becomes a question of design as well as innovation. And it's very possible and it's very hopeful. (laughs) That's the good news, right? And there's lots of wonderful companies There is a company called Velez that is making um, out of food waste. They're making cleaning products.
0: This is something I wanted to talk about because you highlight these kind of innovative companies on your website and promote them with your newsletter, Get Real. They are perfect examples of the innovations, the companies that are making these kind of innovations that you have been talking about. Because I thought maybe the listeners would really like to know, and then maybe <laughs> you, you could chime in with your favorites. <laughs> but, <laughs> I have this like, well, this one company called Goex. They're making T-shirts in uh, Haiti, and they're using sustainable fabric, but they're also very conscious about how they're paying their workers. They're, this is not child labor, this is not slave labor. this is fair wages for work done. Right. And there's another company that I personally love is the they make paper out of stone, recycling stone. That is so I love paper so much, so I was very excited to read that and and actually buy some of their product. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, that was, and it's really exciting because they're not using trees. And you look right. at the the dictionary says that paper is made from trees. Well, not necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore, <laughs> and and then there's another one we uh, talk. Uh, the University of Melbourne in Australia is they're doing research on, they're recycling shredding all these masks that we these single use masks that we've been wearing, all during COVID, yeah, and using that in a conglomerate with to uh, recycled concrete for roads reinforcing roads. Right. These are all incredibly exciting innovations and they are on your website and you you have a, a newsletter. Tell us about the newsletter. It's called Get Real.
1: Sure. Uh, I'm so glad to hear your stories that which ones you like and that you've supported because that really is my goal and my hope is to give people a sense of agency in this, that you can use your spending power to make great change and i just think it's a pr problem i mean i think sustainability has a design and a and a pr problem <laughs> so i'm trying to <laughs> i'm trying to be the one to help break through that and show people that you know sustainability is not about really having to do without it's just doing with products that are good for us and good for the planet and people so yeah the get real newsletter is all about that is showing you companies that are really spearheading these innovations and a couple more that i really love is there's issue of waste is the packaging problem that we have um, and COVID certainly brought that to light everybody was buying online and getting tons and tons of packaging And mushrooms, it turns out, are not only good for actually um, remediation, (laughs) I don't know if you knew that, they're quite incredible particular types of mushrooms to clean up. Um, brownfields and old oil spills, et cetera. But they're also being used to actually create packaging for wine and for computers. And so imagine a styrofoam that's now made out of mycelium mushrooms. So we actually can grow our packaging, which is really cool. <laughs> We're also being turned into lamps, you know, into interior decorations that are beautiful. And so that's the fun part is that I think a lot of people believe that to do the right thing means that you have to do with less, that you have to stop eating certain things or stop buying certain things. And yes, you do, but you also get to now look at who's innovating these beautiful lamps that you could bring home that are made out of mushrooms, right? (laughs) And brought to you in a mushroom, you know, container. So you're you're cutting out the styrofoam, you're cutting out the waste and you're supporting these businesses that are really leading the charge. So that's what the Get Real newsletter is all about is always showing examples of what's possible is what I call it. And it's innovations for good. So how some of these innovations have to do with diversity in the sustainability equation and others have to do with really more of the ecological side of it. And some have to do with both, but it's all about positive, sustainable news and how you can spend and use your spending power wisely.
0: Yes, I am familiar with the work that is being done with mycelium uh, mushrooms, cleaning up oil spills and brownfields and in designing a packaging, which is really cool. The idea of being able to replace styrofoam with mycelium is super exciting. So maybe you could tell us more about how we, as consumers, can use our spending dollars wisely.
1: Part of what I've learned as I've gone along with building Live Creative Studio is um, some of the businesses that I work with have really innovative products. And so I thought, well, gee, wouldn't it be wonderful, because I love marketing as well, to help people understand not only about these great companies and what's possible, but to promote them and support these businesses. So I also have a shop tab on my website, which is livecreativestudio.com. And under that is the sustainable marketplace, as well as I have a local one for my community. It's the Durango Sustainable Business Guide so that we can continue to provide Easy, click of a button, bookmark the shop, and there you are. You can have architects to furniture to zero waste um, companies. So anything that you find that you need, you can click the sustainable marketplace and find a company that is doing these innovative products that we vet for both their people benefits and their, you know, ecological benefits.
0: That I'm really excited about that, and I understand that you also you are a global company. This is not just the United States, but this is a worldwide, and you you promote companies around the world that are also working on a lot of innovation.
1: Yeah, we do. And one of my favorite companies that we're recently started working with is um, out of Portugal. Um, and it's called cork Element. And I learned a lot. I mean, I love that's what I love about this too, is I keep learning. I mean, it, that's what's wonderful about sustainability is that it it's always evolving. People are always pushing the envelope. and I found that with cork element, they created a basically a reserve of beautiful cork trees that they are stewards of. And I learned that you, Can sustainably harvest the cork and it's the bark so you never have to cut down the entire tree just every nine years you can harvest the cork from the bark of the tree without hurting the tree and in fact what they found in doing some research is that growing that cork and letting it grow to nine years and then when you do harvest it it makes for beautiful bags, an alternative leather (laughs) that you don't have to, you know, look at harsh chemicals being added like you would with other more vegan leathers that are really just a PVC plastic. Um, So it's a wonderful alternative and they've learned that by allowing that bark to grow those nine years, that it really becomes a harvester or a sequester of more carbon, the each tree. So it's, it's also climate positive in that way, you know? So that's the beauty that I love is watching these businesses figure out how they can really be stewards, not only of this forest, but of, the bigger picture of the planet and our the air that we breathe and sequestering the carbon, but then creating a product that's utilitarian, that lasts, that's durable, and is beautiful.
0: We will link your website to the podcast below, and I'll get back to that in a minute. But I always like to ask my guests to tell us about two or three women environmentalists or women who are working on climate change solutions who have inspired them in their work so could you share with us who has inspired you
1: i would say back at uc santa cruz i was very inspired by uh, wangari Mathai. i hope i'm pronouncing her her name correctly you know the fact that she you know was educated First
0: woman to receive a nobel, nobel peace prize, prize. yes
1: um, and she hadn't at that time when i met her as in read her book. (laughs) I didn't actually meet her in person. Um, But when I discovered her and learned about her, she just has a... I felt like it it was getting to what I wanted, right? She knew how to take her education, bring it home to her communities and, gosh, I mean to plant millions and millions of trees was just a beautiful act. Um, And to show the world that women have that capacity to kind of buck the system and buck the trends and, and used activism to surround a tree with other women to say, no, you're not cutting this down. Um, just was very moving. And I, I really have always been thinking about her and read many, you know, stories about her as well as her book. And, and then prior to that, of course, I was very moved by Rachel Carson, My mother introduced me to her, and um, I think that was a pivotal point in the United States um, for people to recognize that our industrial system, our economic system, is having a large effect on the planet. And she was another woman to really buck the system and take her education and say, this cannot happen anymore.
0: Yes, she had a, a, a wonderful, transformative effect on the globe. Yes. So, Claire, uh, tell us one more time how people can find you, your website, because with the shopping and sure. whatever, whatever else you, <laughs> you know, gets you connected.
1: Um, so, it's livecreativestudio.com. And we provide marketing and branding and website development for sustainable businesses um, and also for those businesses that are new to sustainability or who want to go deeper, we also provide sustainability strategy and also sustainable packaging resources and options and strategy. And then thirdly, we love this piece about sharing with the world the innovations that are coming out of companies all around the world. So we have an educational component. We have blogs on our website as well as Get Real. And then finally, we have the shop page. So you can shop your values anytime, anywhere by going on to that website. And do be aware right now that the global marketplace, we call it carbon, and it's kind of fun. (laughs) For us, we chose that word um, and you'll love it. We have just secured the URL (laughs) carbon.rip. Rest in peace, right? (laughs) Rest in peace. (laughs) It's not live yet. I'm just sharing it with you. We are planning a 2.0 of our sustainable marketplace where it will be called um, carbon. And the reason for that is because we have to remember carbon is really the source of life, it's not evil. it's become evil because we have too much in our atmosphere. So it's a play on that. So it's to kind of get people thinking again and talking about, well, what is carbon and how can we, how can we capture it? How can we use products to sequester carbon? And one of my other favorite companies is through, if you look interface carpets, they figured out actually how to, sequester carbon in a carpet square so you got to go check them out they're another one put in my uh, get real newsletter but yeah when you when you shop you'll see that right now our shop is fairly basic it's a description of the company with their logo or a picture and then you can click to their website eventually we'll have a full-fledged interactive shopping site where you actually can see all the products etc so it's an evolution
0: Claire, thank you so much for sharing with us all your work and your knowledge about sustainable business and enlightening us, really enlightening us about the innovations that are possible in sustainable business.
1: Well, thank you for what you are doing. I and mean, I really do believe in raising voices and women's voices is so important. It's it's really an, an amazing part of the change that needs to happen is just getting people to talk and share their stories and share their wisdom, you know? So we're in this together and I appreciate what you're doing and um, power to you.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Environmental Voices Rising, Women at the Mic. We now have a new blog page on our website, that features quick and easy reads on environmental and sustainability jargon and buzzwords. Subscribe to the website, E-Voices Rising, listen to the podcast, join us on Twitter and Instagram. Stay tuned for more episodes as we join our voices to meet the challenges of climate change.